Hello, and welcome to the Collider.com podcast. I'm Collider.com senior editor Matt Goldberg, and with me is deputy editor Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. Today we're continuing our three-part series where we explore the Star Wars prequels. Last time we talked about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and on this episode we'll be talking about Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. So, uh, Attack of the Clones came out in 2002, and the thing is, is that George Lucas had like a like the the plan of the prequels is like we're going to show the downfall of Anakin Skywalker, how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. Everything in between was subject to change. And you can really see that in attack of the clones. (laughs) Like clearly, Oh yeah. He's going to have like, there will be a romance between Anakin Skywalker and uh, Queen Amidala. That'll, that'll happen. But Jar Jar, this character that I thought people would love not so much. And <laughs> his role is severely reduced uh, in uh, in the next two movies. Which is super interesting because I think people a lot of times contend like, oh, well, like your franchise isn't solid until like unless it's all planned out from the beginning and meticulously whatever. And we've obviously seen like the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit movies where, you know, you shoot them all in one go and then, re- you know, cut them up and release them. Um, obviously with reshoots in between, uh, especially with the Hobbit where it was like, no, we have enough room for three movies. Do you though? Do you? Um, I'll never forget that video of just Peter Jackson being like, shut it down. I need to think. (laughs) The behind the scenes video from the Hobbit bonus, like extended edition bonus features where he just looks deflated while he was trying to make battle of five armies. Um, and it seems like Star Wars, the Star Wars prequels were maybe a similar uh, thing, but but yeah, it was very uh, fascinating in that like he released Episode One before he had written Episode Two, so um, you know obviously they had plans, but they very much changed. And and you can see you know the complaints that Episode One didn't have enough action or lightsaber battles. He's trying to kind of veer that way in Episode Two um, to varying degrees of success. It's. <sighs> <laughs> it's, it, it's better than episode one for this is my main reason that it's better than episode one. Let it me has hear it. Actual intrigue or like it's actually somewhat compelling because Obi-Wan is investigating something that you don't yes. know. I would say if you were to cut out the rest of the movie, <laughs> the whole Obi-Wan is investigating thing actually is not a bad story because it's like, oh, only Jedi can do this because, like, they have special powers that, like, they have sort of the freedom to do this. So we have a better understanding of who the Jedi are. It's a cool story with Obi-Wan. He goes to cool places like Kamino is this rain-drenched planet um, where they make clones. And it's – that's really interesting. I don't really need – I don't give a shit about Boba Fett as a little kid. That That is dumb. But, <laughs> you know, the whole – He's not a little kid. He's a clone, Matt. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> he is a little kid. He is also a clone. Both things can be true. He has no mother and father. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, but I agree. I think like the stuff that's happening with Obi-Wan is pretty interesting. That is the subplot of the film. <laughs> the A plot of the movie is Anakin Skywalker falling in love with Padme Amidala. And the audience wondering, did you screen test these actors together? <laughs> it's... Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. What was really striking for me when I rewatched it is, okay, so the movie opens. Um, 
I almost called him Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and Anakin are riding the elevator up to see Padme and Obi-Wan or uh, Anakin is obviously very nervous and, and he mentions how he hasn't seen her in 10 years and like he can't stop thinking about her and like, gosh, I'm going to see Amidala again. They have their meeting. It goes fine. She's pleasant. She's whatever. So nice to see you, Anakin. She leaves. Immediately, Anakin is like, why doesn't she want to fuck me, bro? Like, what the fuck? Like, she really doesn't want to fuck me. This is unacceptable. Like, he just starts going off. Like, I spent these last 10 years pining over her, and did you see how she just dismissed me like that? Like, this is ridiculous. And it's so gross. It's just not the way you want to start that romance. Because <laughs> it almost comes off, I mean, especially in, in the context of today, he comes off as an MRA of one of these guys like, I was just being very polite to you by saying how attractive and sexy you looked and saying how I wanted to bend you over. And you just decided that you didn't want to talk to me anymore. That's not that's not acceptable. Yeah, it's it's worse today, but it wasn't great in O two either. <laughs> I mean, even just audiences were like, "This is a romance of our time." <laughs> yeah, even if you take out the grossness of it, it's just like that's how you want to start off their like relationship. I guess George Lucas was like, "All right, how to create a relationship? First, conflict. What's the conflict? She's nice to him, and he doesn't think she loves him. Okay, that's, how do I write that? Yeah, it's not a great conflict. I mean, a better conflict." would be sort of he he is not interested in her and she's not interested in him and they have sort of a conflict in terms of he's try he's begrudgingly like he thinks it's a crap job to have to protect her when he wants to be Jedi doing cool Jedi stuff. Like he wants what Obi-Wan is doing. Side note, is there such a thing as cool Jedi stuff? There's no by the way, nothing the Jedi do is well defined <laughs> ever. But the I, in 2002, you could have convinced us that there was cool Jedi stuff that he was not doing. And he was like, this is a crappy gig. I don't want it. And she's like, well, I'm not crazy about you either. And then, you know, sort of this, they sort of, you know, with this, I don't like you, I don't like you. But then they start kind of coming together and discovering commonalities, you know, chemistry and character building. And instead, they just jump to, you know he grins like an idiot and she's like, I like this grinning idiot. Let's go roll in a field. And (laughs) then he's like, my mom, Before they roll in a field. She's like a dictatorship would be nice. Yeah. He's like, by the way, he's like, have you heard, have you heard the good word about authoritarianism? (laughs) And then he just gives this evil smile and he's like, just kidding. And it's like, Ooh, is this foreshadowing? And there's nothing – the thing is, is the the prequels are supposed to be kind of a tragedy. Like, oh, this good guy was corrupted by the dark side. The problem is, is Anakin Skywalker was never really a good guy. No, he sucks. He's, he's always been a petulant, sucks. He's been a petulant child since the moment you meet him. Yeah, there's never like I'm ru- – like that's the thing. Like if, if you liked Anakin Skywalker, that's the tragedy. Like, oh – I don't want him to go down this path that I know he's going to go down. That's tragedy. This is just, yeah, he's an asshole and he's going to become a bigger asshole over time. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's very, it's very strange. And uh, like the, I guess we'll get to this more when we talk about episode three that I do. I do think there is a pathway towards feeling tragedy about Anakin, um, but I don't think it's through his character. No, we'll get when we'll get to that. So, <laughs> but I, I will, mean, I will say Obi Wan has kind of cool facial hair in this movie. 
that's a that's a nice thing. His facial hair improved. His Alec Guinness impression improved. Mm-hmm. You know it. You know, but then again, there's still so much dumb stuff. Remember when he goes to the space diner and talks to the chef? Yeah, <laughs> to get information. <laughs> And he says Pepsi free. And he says, hey, you want a Pepsi? You got to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is there a 50s diner on Coruscant? <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask questions. Well, it's up? just there's just no design. Like nothing in this movie like makes sense about why is this here? Like I'm going to piss a lot of people off right now. I don't love the Canto Bite sequence in in The Last Jedi, but it's grown on me. But Canto Bite as a place makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, it's fancy. It's like Monte Carlo. Like, so for already, there's a real world analogy, but it's not Monte Carlo. It's like the Star Wars spin on it. And then it's like, well, what is this purpose? The purpose here is this is where all the war profiteers go and are far away from the conflicts that they fund. It's a very, it's a really good idea. And it's just like a really concrete idea that you can understand. I would love it if someone could explain to me what is genosis. <laughs> what is Geno? Like it's the meeting place of the separatists, but then they're like, "We found these intruders. We're going to execute them." Okay, so execute them. No, we're going to have like gladiator games. Wait, what? No, no. So we're going to tie them up, and then we're going to unleash beasts on them. So is this for the entertainment of the people of Geno? Like either either you're executing them, or you're like, "This is our entertainment." What is? What do you want? What is the purpose here? What? What is this world that you're creating? And like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I have no idea. <laughs> um, a lot of, I mean, uh, e- even the the Shmi stuff should be tragic and uh, at least emotionally compelling. But I just think it's a complete and total failure of direction. That entire sequence. I mean, it goes into the hut, and she just kind of like falls over and goes, uh. She's like, oh, you, she, you've got an older dead. Um, but it, no, it basically, it sort of is this weird calculated bridge of being like, okay, we need Anakin to take a step towards the dark side, not full dark side. So what are we going to do? Okay. Well, he needs to kill a lot of people, right? Um, to show that he's violent. Okay. And, but it can't be just for funsies. He has to like be emotionally you know, and like, you know, if, if basically the rage of like, if these people killed your mom, wouldn't you kill all these people? And then it's sort of like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I guess it's like, it's, it's weird. It's this weird place where they want to make like his rage relatable, but they didn't pull it off. And part of that is the plotting is all terrible. Um, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah. And then also, uh, I don't want to, again, I don't want to make the mistake of being like, Hayden Christensen is a bad actor because as we've seen, a lot of good actors look like bad actors. He's great in Shattered Glass. Great in Shattered Glass. Perfect for that movie. And so, but I think, you know, George Lucas did not give him the direction or the characterization to make him come off as anything more than a whiny brat. And so when you see the way Anakin comes off is there's nothing fearsome about his rage. Uh, all of his rage comes off as petulant and petulance is a childish quality. Um, You know, in, in the sequels we've seen, you know, Kylo Ren has a lot of rage, but it feels 
while it it's rooted in sort of a childhood uh sort of growing up in the shadow of great you know parents and the resentment and being molded it still feels like a rage that doesn't feel uh that doesn't come off as childish even if it comes from a childish place yeah and there are moments where they play with it in force awakens where you know he's slashing at the wall and the the two soldiers are like yep turn around <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah the, and the the film is conscious enough to not always play on his terms to yeah. be like this guy is a jerk and we don't really want to have a lot to do like not everyone is enamored of him <laughs> yeah but you know i i would say that with anakin again anakin is the reason for this trilogy he is the main character he it is his story you have to nail that like i don't you know it's great that the obi-wan subplot of discovering clones is well done but that's not the main reason of this story the main reason is anakin's downfall and if you don't nail that you don't have a movie and they don't have a movie. No. And in so many ways, uh, the sequel trilogy is a better Anakin Skywalker story than the prequel trilogy. Um, uh, obviously, we haven't seen the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, but Kylo Ren is. You haven't seen you it. Wanted. I've seen it. I've I've seen it. <laughs> OK. Tell the audience what yeah. happens. OK. So it, and then it, uh, <laughs> and then. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> And then Kylo uh, injured, you know, really bad. He's in a wheelchair and uh, he goes off a cliff <laughs> into water. And then, and then uh, an alien yeah. pops up and is like, <laughs> no, the, the alien, I was going to say the alien was BB-8. BB-8 pops up. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Some me joke for all the fans of Mac and me out there. Uh, and uh, we joke. We joke, but there's an entire cottage industry of, like, YouTubers that are like, this is what happens in episode nine. It's like, you don't fucking know. Uh, looking at the live numbers now, it looks like we are down to two listeners left. Ah, two thanks. Hey, hey, Paul and Sally, <laughs> our last two listeners. Can you stick around? We got more yucks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really succeed as an Anakin Skywalker story. And, the, you know... It's weird. You can sort of see like Lucas having a very clear idea of like what each movie was from a genre perspective. Like, yeah. So Phantom Menace is the, is the family film, even though it's about trade disputes. And then <laughs> Attack of the Clones is the romance. And then uh, Revenge of the Sith is the, the downfall, the tragedy, the dark one. It was the first yeah. Star Wars movie to ever be rated PG-13. Um, yeah. And... But if you go to Attack of the Clones, like it's a romance with no chemistry, a deeply unlikable male lead, <laughs> um, and not in like a way that's like, oh, it's tragic. That's just like, I don't like this person, and I don't like spending time with him. <laughs> when they kissed, I was like, oh, is that how it happens? Like that? That all right? I guess she loves him now. Yeah. Huh. Weird. And then of course there's the whole political intrigue, which doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes no sense. Is it, so maybe you can explain to me what is what is it to, like who is behind what? Okay, I, I this is the impression. I'm going to explain this, and I'm going to sound like a crazy person. Are you okay. ready? Okay, explain okay. the the political intrigue. Of... The political intrigue is that the Trade Federation is working with the separatists. What do the separatists want? I guess they want to no longer be a part of the Republic. The separatists are led by Count Dooku. 
okay, who's Count Dooku? We don't know. We don't meet him until like the third act. Um, and then you have, and then it turns out that the separatist plot is really being pulled by Darth Sidious, who is actually Palpatine. So Palpatine, who is the, the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic, has created his own war. Basically, <laughs> he has made he has created. No, he's he is he's he represents the interests of the Republic, but he is actually working behind the scenes as Darth Sidious to create the separatist threat, which will necessitate the like I sound like I'm on Infowars right now, Fuck. <laughs> yes, which do. will necessitate the creation of a clone army, <laughs> which and- turns the frogs gay. <laughs> insane i sound like a crazy person that wants to sell you vitamin pills um no he's so he's so with this war he will then have expanded wartime powers in addition he will have a clone army which is what was being created on um uh the the rainy camino uh that's what was being created there and that's sort of the origin of the stormtroopers and so that and it's the start of the Clone Wars, which were mentioned in uh, Star Wars: A New Hope. You fought with my father in the Clone Wars. That these are the clones. Yeah, and that's so. It was all a control. Oh God! It's just it. But I never understood. Like, and maybe I'm not watching these movies closely enough. But I you get should really stop bored. right now. Go back and rewatch Attack of the Clones <laughs> and come back. I've seen it like four or five times. And every time at the end, I'm like, oh, what? What the fuck happened? I just don't. Yeah, and I just don't care enough to be like, okay, let me. That's the other thing is the dialogue is not compelling, and when they're delivering plot information, it just. Uh, what, 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 so. what don't you understand that I'm going to endeavor to explain? <laughs> well, it's always like, okay, so. So Palpatine is Sidious, obviously. He's working – he's like the head of both the good guys and the bad guys. Yes. Like he's fighting himself. And so then well, he's, he's just fighting w- himself for more with, power. I mean the, the weird yeah. thing about this movie and like the, the kind of incredible thing about it. Like it's not a good film, but – it was kind of prescient about the Iraq war. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's a yeah. post nine 11 star Wars movie. It's the first post nine 11 star Wars movie. And it's very conscious. Like it feels like a movie forged in the Patriot act. Like basically, yeah. and I don't think George Lucas is like nine 11 was an inside job. I don't think he's saying that, but I do think he's saying is that, you know, people in power can use. And I, I mean, obviously this is not, unique to the post nine 11 world. I mean, this, I mean, George Lucas is, you know, came out of, you know, he, he saw the Vietnam war. He, he's not ignorant of this, but he basically observes that when people in power have a threat, they can use that to amass more power. And so all he does is he just takes it one step further. And so instead of the separatists being out of Palpatine's control, they are in his control and they're part of a large plot for him to amass more power. that that's Palpatine's plan. <laughs> and you're right. Like there is something thematically interesting in there, but George Lucas is just not clear enough to, to get it out of his head. I, I want to revisit those making of docs about the prequels. Um, cause they're very interesting because <laughs> it's very much him just like throwing a ton of shit out. And as people being like, are you sure? Well, he's surrounded by like, like, but when he's doing this, he is the brilliant George Lucas and no one is going to tell him no. Yeah. 
And that's the big, that's a big difference between the prequels and the uh, original trilogy, which is that in the original trilogy, people were like, no, George, that let's, let's work on this. Let's tweak this. Let's do something else. You know, let's, let's find a way to tell this story better. And in the prequels, that doesn't really happen. It's basically like George Lucas is like, I have great ideas for all this technology stuff I want to do. And I have a kind of a plot to put it in. And I'm going to go do it. And everyone's like, you're the boss, George. Yeah. Well, and and obviously George didn't direct um, Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. Although um, I think he was uh, – I've heard he was a little upset on Empire Strikes Back that Irvin Kershner was um, kind of changing the visual language of Star Wars and, and kind of doing his thing. That So that Luke has kind of essentially co-directed Return of the Jedi. Um, and wielded much more control there. But but yeah, I think that's the issue is that he has all these ideas in his head and he's like, what about this and this and this? And then he does them all. And then, I mean, in some ways, Attack of the Clones is somewhat of a course correction and that, uh, you know, obviously Jar Jar has a much more muted role in this one. Um, and there are more lightsaber battles for what it's worth. I but don't that, think that but, but particularly interesting. They're so terrible. Like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> honestly... I mean, the lightsaber battle in Phantom Menace was well-received. It has no emotional stakes to it, but it is well-received. And the lightsaber battle in uh, Attack of the Clones is so much worse. Because, again, what we're just watching is we're watching a bunch of Jedi who we still don't understand and don't care about. Which is, like, it's kind of amazing. Jedi went from this really cool thing... That's like, oh, like that was sort of mythologized in the original trilogy that like, oh, Jedi are amazing. And then by the time you get to Attack of the Clones, it's like the Jedi suck. They yeah. just suck. They're bad at everything. And then they get. They, they don't even look cool. They look like a bunch of fucking nerds. <laughs> like, none of them look cool. Even say like this movie manages make, to make Sam Jackson not look very cool. I, it's really impressive, actually. Yeah. Like Samuel Jackson, one of the coolest Sometimes the epitome of cool, and he comes off like a like just a really boring guy. Not even <laughs> like a mean, just a boring dude. And he's like, like just again more of this like, you know, again you have more of what Jedi can't do. Like Jedi is like like we're we're keepers of the peace, not warriors. What is it that you do? What is the Jedi's job description? Yeah. What and it's like I guess they like they're not warriors, but. Look at that. Like they're coming in at the beginning of the Clone War with all their lightsabers and fighting battle droids and weird monster thingies. And like, that's what they do. Like, I don't I don't get the Jedi. And I really (laughs) I mean, people rag on the last Jedi, but Luke Skywalker has it absolutely right that the Jedi suck. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) He was right. It's time for them to end. They suck. Yeah. Uh, Um. But it, even just like the way the, the action is shot and to dig into the filmmaking a little bit here, like the, the Jedi battle um, uh, is really boring. There's no sense of propulsion. And you also don't even like in the direction of the actors, you don't get a sense of uh, like what they're feeling and what's going on. Contrast that with, um, you know, The Last Jedi, the throne room sequence with Kylo and Rey, which is just like chill inducing. Um, and granted, those are the two main characters of the franchise. So that has a lot to do with it. Um but the other issue to bring up here um, is that this movie – so Attack of the Clones was one of the first films to be shot uh, digitally, entirely digitally, with Lucas, which Lucas wanted to do with episode one but wasn't able to. He shot it on film. Um, 
And then they were working on almost entirely CG environments, which was brand new at the time. Uh, not a lot of actors had a ton of experience with it. So, uh, I mean, I think that's something else to consider is that these actors are trying their best, but they're standing in a room surrounded by a green or a blue screen. And George Lucas, who would probably self-admit he's not the world's greatest director for actors, is there telling them what's around them, <laughs> telling them what to react to. Uh, to the point that I, I like when I was watching it, I was like, "Man, this reminds me of Sky Captain: The World of Tomorrow." Yes, but Just at least visually. <laughs> visually, although Sky Captain: in The World of Tomorrow, I think is a better movie because a it was made for a lot cheaper, and b it was using those all CG environments to like it. Ha- it Sky Captain evokes a time and a place. It's very much like old fashioned adventure. Like it has a very clear idea of what it wants to be. And it, I think it achieves it. Whereas this is like, it's a romance, but also the start of a war that no one understands. <laughs> this is, I mean, I, the best description I heard about this, like the big lightsaber battle was I was on these message board forums back in O2 and someone said, I kept expecting PlayStation two controllers to drop out of the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It's like a big, like empty video game. And it doesn't mean anything. And it, it it also feels like a bit like fan service. Like George Lucas is like, I'll win him over with a bunch of lightsaber battles. And then I'm not, not just that guess who's got his own lightsaber. It's Yoda bitches. And then Yoda's going to come out and it, the Yoda lightsaber battle looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's, well, it's two CG characters. Cause obviously like Christopher Lee is not, Oh, you mean Christopher that. Lee fucking 80 year old Christopher Lee doesn't move like that. <laughs> So like he, you know, he does the reaction shots, but then they have a stunt man, but then they have to create an entirely CG character because they have to do all of the jumps and, and twists and all that stuff. So it's just you're watching a video game, which is my problem, admittedly, even nowadays with a bunch of superhero movies where it's just like, this is just two cartoons fighting each other. And yeah, it's just think that it's not cartoons. Yeah. I mean, at, at some point, like I get it, like CG, you have more control and it's actually it's safer. You know, I mean, no yeah. one's really. You know, when you slam a CG character into a wall, you don't have to worry about hurting anyone. Um, But I would also say that, you know, there's really like, what are the stakes of the battle between of the lightsaber battle between Dooku and Yoda? We know that because I don't really know who Dooku is at this point. I don't know who he is either. A Jedi and that Yoda was his master. Exactly. And that's it. And he kind of has a curved lightsaber hilt, which is all right. (laughs) You know, and then they fight. And it's like, I guess they're trying to stop Dooku from getting away. And because if he gets away, the, like if, if they can stop him from getting away, the war will end right then because he's the leader of the Separatists. And I'm like, what a weird movement. <laughs> That's just like entirely reliant on the like, if, like it's a capture the flag, but with the person. It's so weird. Yoda's also so weird in these prequel movies, too, because in the original trilogy, he's impish and strange and funky and just, like, making jokes everywhere. And in the prequels, he's just kind of this wise old man who's like, yep, uh-huh. He's he's there to offer pearls of wisdom, but also, like, be a warrior, but also, like, the rest of the Jedi fucking useless. Yeah. I mean, sir, it's like, like, we can't let them know that our powers have diminished and dark... The you know the dark side clouds everything. I'm like, what is the point of you? This is just going to be me just ra- raging at the Jedi for an hour. 
The Thanks Jedi for tuning are, in, everyone. The Jedi are the Bran Stark of the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> <laughs> They're just there. And who just... has a better story than the Jedi of the Star Wars prequels? Uh, just coasting along, not really doing much or making much sense, but doing their but thing. But monumentally important all the same. Well, and I can also see how in George Lucas's mind, like, all right, there's supposed to be this contrast. Like, the Jedi are supposed to be composed and calm in all situations. And then here you have Anakin, who is very impulsive and acting out. So you see those shades of emotion that lead him down the dark side. But, it, it, like, the performances are so bad and wooden, it doesn't come across. It doesn't work. Right. It basically is like Jedi are good because they don't have emotions. And Anakin is bad because he has emotions. <laughs> and I'm like, really? That's the dividing line between the light side and the dark side is emotions that doesn't make any sense no luke skywalker has emotions <laughs> he cares about people like what what are you what are you like it, emotions saved the world just because luke skywalker didn't give up on his dad like that saved the galaxy what are you talking about like a jedi you know is not permitted to love what are you talking about why not why not? Why? Why? Who made these rules? What is wrong with this universe? And it's just, it's amazing to watch the prequels just burn off goodwill. <laughs> you know what's also amazing to watch? Anakin coming back to Padme and a propos of nothing, just being like, you like killed a bunch of kids and ladies. <laughs> I know, I killed people. I just, I just slaughtered an entire village. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Want to make not out? just the dudes. Listen to me. Are you listening? Look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. Killed a bunch of kids too bunch of kids and ladies who did so, nothing who did nothing, did nothing they killed they killed my mom and so i murdered all of them yeah um yeah again like i was saying i get what you were going for like he needs to do something bad but the audience is still on his side and you took it too far you went you went too far like it would have been better if like if, if anakin had sort of like you know he'd found like the cheat you know the the head bad guy or the you know the head tuscan raider and the tuscan raider mm-hmm. is unarmed and he strikes him down and leaves yeah and be like oh that makes me uncomfortable but it's just like the guy did a bad thing and i you know he left the rest of them alone and you know i yeah it, it, it it's murky it's it's very murky and you don't feel great about it but it doesn't it's not like i killed women and children because <laughs> i was mad yeah because i was mad yeah I don't know. It's still better than Phantom <laughs> Is it? It's I would say that... they're equally bad, but in different ways. Uh, okay, maybe not better. More uh, enjoyable to watch, even though it's not entirely enjoyable. I really do like the stuff on the rain planet and with the yeah. AI-looking aliens. Look, my uh, wife made a great observation like of just like how scattershot this movie is. Like So early in the film, when the little like bugs come to assassinate... Um, like mm-hmm. the like the space snakes come to assassinate Padme in bed yeah. in her bed, and they're like it's getting away. And rather than like use the force to bring it to him, like like Obi Wan just jumps out a fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you just get this whole like tortured. It feels like George Lucas's solution is like, oh, I need to up the action. I know, I'll just throw more shit at the screen. Like that seems to be the solution of Attack of the Clones. It's like, you know what would really make this movie better if I packed the screen with more CGI garbage? And that's what happens. 
Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I've seen a lot of interviews with George Lucas, and uh, there was one I can't remember. It was years ago with Seth MacFarlane, and Seth MacFarlane was like asking him kind of nerdy questions, like about like starships and whatever. And he was like, "Man, I don't know." He was like, "I wrote those movies and I made up those names, and like that was basically it." And you could tell, especially in Attack of the Clones, he is just kind of enjoying tinkering with this technology and. Granted, like he was given a massive budget and carte blanche to go and make this kind of experimental sci-fi movie in that like, you know, it's so much of it is CG and so much of it is done in the computer and using all this new tech and everything. And it seems like he kind of got enamored of that. I mean, you can feel that in the opening chase sequence that's kind of Blade Runner-esque where he's just like enjoying doing that. But it's just not, it's not fun for me as an audience member. The story well, doesn't make a ton of sense. And it's also aged horribly. Like that's yeah. the other thing. Like I get that it was groundbreaking at the time and like we should respect that and we should be like, yes, because of what George Lucas did on these movies, other filmmakers were able to take, you know, digital filmmaking and – you know, these big CGI sets and like, you know, green screen sets and, and use of CGI. Like, I get it that he was making the path by walking it. But like, that doesn't mean it's suddenly a good movie. Like, if that were if that were true, it'd be like, man, let me t- let me y'all tell y'all the truth about Beowulf. Robert Zemeckis's <laughs> Beowulf, which is where Ray Winstone is jacked. Ray Winstone through the magic of CGI is ripped <laughs> and audiences are like, yes. The star of tomorrow, Ray Winstone. Yeah. Meanwhile, like the Matrix has aged tremendously. Um, and even the Lord of the Rings, I mean, the the Lord of the Rings sequel, or not sequels, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, some of that CG ha- hasn't uh, aged incredibly well, but it still holds up. It still holds up pretty well. And there's yeah. also a huge amount of practical effects in that movie. Yeah, yeah, which helped it. Uh, until you get to Return of the King. Return of the King, like the second half of Return of the King, you start to like, if you have seen the Hobbit movies and you go back and watch Return of the King now, you're like, oh, I see. I see the uh, seams see. coming. It yeah. was there all along. Like when, It was always in him. Like when the green goo just wipes out <laughs> every wall, like just ends the battle by the arrival of the green ghosts and they just yeah. wipe everyone out and they'd be like, oh, that was simple. And his obsession with, with uh, you know, making everything kind of like misty eyed. Um, but uh, we should do a podcast on the Lord of the Rings movies and then the Hobbit trilogy. I am not watching the fucking watch, Hobbit trilogy. I will make you watch Battle of Five Armies again. No. Battle of Five Armies was... I, I was kind of, Battle of Five Armies was kind of an amazing experience because I got to experience the kind of disdain that other people have for Lord of the Rings in general. Like, if Lord of the Rings is not your thing, I understood where you were coming from when I finally saw Battle of the Five Armies. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is what you hate. The other movies aren't like this, but this is the thing that you hate. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is fucking terrible. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, we should talk about Lord of the Rings at some point. Um and the Hobbit. If you want to hear us talk about the Hobbit, tweet Matt. No, don't don't do that. <laughs> do it. Don't tweet at me. I've already got Zack Snyder fans angry at me right now because I <laughs> did because I I decided to say that he didn't understand Superman. You know, <laughs> neck snapping Superman. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I? Um. Yeah, but you know, with you know this Attack of the Clones. It, it, to me, it has a lot of the same problems of Phantom Menace. It just moves a little bit faster. It has less Jar Jar, but it's still convoluted. It's still overly reliant on CGI battles with characters that you don't care about. It, the stakes aren't particularly clear. 
it's 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 a failure in its own way. It's it's not great, Bob. <laughs> it's not great. No, it was, it was a chore, um, but not as much of a chore as Phantom Menace. I am still astounded at the terrible performances through all three. Like the consistently terrible performance. Natalie Portman is the only actor capable of delivering a good performance and ewan mcgregor mcgregor is better in this film than he was in the phantom menace but and and to be clear this is not on the actors this is entirely on george lucas but the the performances are just so bad yeah they're 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 they are bad all the way around there's no one who's like ah this guy's gonna be a star there's no one who's the breakout success of the star wars prequels trick question does not exist (laughs) It was a bummer, but yeah. at that point, like, people were already primed for a bummer. Um, yeah, at least this time it wasn't funny. as surprising, although I think some people were like really hoping that like, oh, Attack of the Clones will get us back on track. And I think, again, kind of – I don't think there was as were as many apologists this time around, but they, they certainly were out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anything else to say? On Attack of the Clones. What else is there to say about Attack I don't know. There's going to be quite a bit to say, though, in our next episode yes. about Revenge of the Sith. Because we don't agree about Revenge of the Sith. We do not. I have thoughts. I have thoughts as well. Um, so we're going to get into that in our next in the conclusion of this miniseries on the Star Wars prequels. If you want to keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Adam, where can we find you on Twitter? At Adam Chitwood. And you can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you next time.